Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, if you had to describe your long weekend in Philadelphia that we just spent together for the last four plus days, if you had to describe that in one word, what word would that be? Probably loathed. Loathed? Loathed. Loathed. Okay. Say say more. I I, want to be clear. It was not that I loathed my time in Philadelphia this weekend uh, going to a couple Mets Phillies games. I had an amazing time with with you and our friends. Um, it was we we had a blast. Um, no, however, strangely, no mention of the Earth, Wind, and Fire and Santana concert, which we <laughs> balled out at as well. That's incredibly true. I mean, that was also the only safe space that I had um, <laughs> to not draw the ire of of Phillies fans, which happened at both of the games uh, that that we went to. Yeah. Um, I, I should say the the highlight was obviously the Vanilla Ice concert following the first uh, the first game that we went to. <laughs> I didn't even really know about until that <laughs> very day, so that was wonderful. I did draw the ire of uh, of some Phillies fans on uh, a couple different occasions, hmm. but there was there was there was one in particular that uh, that stuck with not only me but said Phillies fan. Uh, and and I will explain why. You're just kind of like the bad boy of Mets podcasters. I apparently, in just so far burning down as every city you go to, I, I am a Mets podcaster. But yeah, I know. Uh, so much for the city of brotherly love, huh? So true. So Got much em. for the tolerant fight and fills. I don't know. We'll workshop it. Listen so much to this for podcast. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> That's okay. So I'm always saying this. Uh, <laughs> Listeners of this podcast may know that we here at Tipping Pitches don't often traffic in uh, in jingoism, and um, and are maybe not the biggest fan of say the the national anthem. Right? I for a while there, it was it was actually the description of this podcast was about sitting for the national anthem, and I tend to do that at baseball games that I go to. I don't right. I don't make a I don't make a show out of it, and I don't begrudge anyone who uh who is standing <laughs> at least not publicly um or not until they personally <laughs> attack you <laughs> right and so at this Mets Phillies game in in Philadelphia Pennsylvania Citizens Bank Park I was seated for the national anthem we were uh we were sitting relatively high up for this the the section that we were in was relatively empty and you had gone I think to go to the bathroom or, or get food at the moment. So it was just kind of me and my lonesome holding down the like nine seats that we had. Right. And we were seated next and we were seated next to this older couple. They were probably in their early sixties. If I had to ballpark it. Mm-hmm. I see what you did there. Who, ballpark it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Who were in fact standing up for the national anthem. Mm-hmm. Right. As was just about everyone else in the ballpark. And whenever I remain seated, I kind of expect that there may be people who take umbrage at at that 
action or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never actually been accosted or anything um, as a result, except for the Mets stadium, uh, except for the Mets team shop employee who accosted me for not stopping shopping for shirts or hats while the national anthem was playing but that's, that's just if another anything story. you're honoring the country more by continuing to yeah, shop that's exactly what the I said. national yes. anthem <laughs> i'm like are you kidding me this was made with child labor this is the most patriotic <laughs> fucking thing i can do right now <laughs> that said this markup this man, is all america is about dude <laughs> that said this this man and woman um were none too pleased uh with this this choice of mine and I, I kind of noticed it right away because the man just kind of stared at me throughout the course of the anthem. Like mm-hmm. it was, he was, it was almost disrespectful to the flag because he, he wasn't was looking, looking at, at me. Right. Um, <laughs> and I, I figured, yeah, that, that's, you know, that's fair. Comes with the territory. Right. Um, it is what I, it is. I figured, I figured maybe he'd say something, maybe not. Maybe he's just, I, he thought the glare would get the message across, which it did. I think I texted you guys and I was right like, away. Oh, this, this, <laughs> right away. You were like, this, I just got glared at. I'm just, I'm literally getting seconds. a death stare right now. <laughs> and that was it. Or so I thought. <laughs> oh my God. And in the middle of the first inning, right? So this is like 20 minutes later, at yeah. least. I, I look over and I, thankfully, I guess he, um, he had his, uh, font size on his iPhone turned all the way up, right? You know, one of the ones where, like, when you text, you can only see, like, four words on the screen (laughs) at a time. And so I looked over, and in his own group chat, he he had sent a text that read, classless Mets fan sitting next to me didn't stand for the national anthem. (laughs) Okay. Pause. Pause, pause, pause. Mm -hmm. You were there to root for the Mets. However, an important detail of the story that listeners should know is that you were not wearing any Mets stuff. Right. You were wearing an Otani jersey and a National Parks hat? It's Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. But, oh, okay, you know, okay. Same, same thing, basically. Right. So, so nothing that would indicate that you're a Mets fan, except for, I guess, the fact that you had come in with me right. and I was wearing Mets mm-hmm. stuff. So he just yes. kind of is guilty by association. Yes, yeah. So much yeah, for a exactly, fair trial. Exactly. <laughs> Right, I'm like, if you're going to disparage me, do it correctly, sir. Classless A's fan. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't stand for the national anthem. Classless, very sad-looking A's fan <laughs> next to me. Classless um, A's fan who's looking down and seeing the A's blow their lead against the Mariners. <laughs> didn't stand for the national anthem. So he sent this text, and whoever was in the group chat with him, you know, responded, wow, like, can't believe that. Um, he was, like, literally sitting right next to you, and his phone was literally, right in yes. front of your face. Okay. Yes, it it was. Um, he... This this person that was in the chat with him uh, said, you know, did you did you say something to him? And he said, no, I I will. Um, and the and the person responded, tell him you loathe Keith Hernandez. Which, I, <laughs> all right, what a what a burn. <laughs> I, I, your mileage may vary on Keith Hernandez, but I, well, so this was what, that doesn't really track logically because Keith Hernandez also would have been mad at you for not standing for the anthem. Well, yeah. So if you loathe Keith Hernandez and Keith Hernandez is on your side, like you're, now you're kind of making this about just Mets versus Phillies, which is, doesn't seem like right. what you were originally mad about. He didn't yeah, seem mad exactly. That we were you're not really getting your point, your point across effectively. Right. He was just getting the, 
getting something in there for the boys in the G chat. Yeah, exactly. So he didn't say anything. I'd like to point out, but for the rest of the game, whenever uh, he or the woman sitting next to him uh, would look over at me, they would just shake their head. You know, <laughs> I, I ruined these people's night just they, by sitting. I, I, just by sitting. I don't think they actually enjoyed the baseball game whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like they were preoccupied over this for hours. Like I need to know if he was able to sleep that night, you know? <laughs> I <laughs> I just and you know, because I thought maybe he would say something given that, you know, he was talking a big game in the texts. <laughs> I'm like sitting there in my head, you know, kind of trying to go through like what my response is going to be, you know, like, how am I going to, how am I going to defend the decision? You know, am I going to like, just try and like make a joke about it and, and tell him I, I, you know, I'm not from here. I don't, I don't know what the national anthem is. Am I, am I going to actually like go hardcore, tell him my rationale for why I'm, I'm not standing for the national aisle, so to speak, open up a dialogue. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) the woman he was with was imploring him not to say anything. She was just as livid, but I think she didn't want the confrontation. And he was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask a question, you know? I, so he was hyping himself up for this for like half the game. Yeah. Literally. They left in like the seventh inning. I think they were sick of it. Immediately after I... (laughs) Immediately after this kind of debacle went down, he went on uh, SeatGeek and started looking for tickets at that very game. And <laughs> I, you left this part out when you told I, me. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't tell you this. I was wondering if maybe I love that save it he, for the pod move by you. He was actually going to buy new seats just so that he didn't have to like sit by me anymore. <laughs> like maybe was, he was just trying to see which seats weren't sold so that he could go and to them in the event, so so that he could go to them and no one would come up. And right. try to sit in those seats, right? Or or see if uh, if this seat had in fact been sold, and if he was going to try and you know give me the boot, say, are these even your seats? You know, like oh, they were our seats to take my ticket. They were our seats. We <laughs> did pay for them. I just, it's far funnier than him saying anything. To yeah, me. if he had if he had turned and said like, "Sand up, you sick fuck," I I. <laughs> Which I've, maybe that's how he would have phrased it. I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it, given his uh, somewhat meek demeanor. Um, but I would have, I would have expected that, uh, frankly. And I, uh, you know, I may have felt some type of way about it. But I would have been like, all right, roll my eyes and and move on. But like this, so clearly got under his skin. Yeah, it was like he had never witnessed something like it before. Like the concept was foreign to him. I have two things to add to this story. The first is that I kind of missed this man once he did leave in the seventh inning because the person <laughs> that was sitting behind him who then had a direct line of view to us was uh, significantly worse than the guy who was not saying anything. <laughs> yeah. I'll just... <laughs> Phillies fans being Phillies fans. Um, and the second thing is that, you know, it's just not that deep. Like, it's just <laughs> not that deep. If you sit for the national anthem, you sit for the national anthem. If someone right. sits next to you for the national anthem and you want to stand... That's fine too. It's it's yeah. fine if you stand. It's fine if you don't. I was in, you know, and like I think that some people 
I think that some people would say like, oh, it's, it's Philadelphia. It's like a slightly more conservative city than New York, even though that's like kind of not even really true. But it has a reputation for being like a slightly more conservative, right-leaning, hard-nosed city in certain areas of Philadelphia right. than hey, in, in New York you know, City. It's the, it's the birthplace of our, of you know, like our nation's like laws, right? right? Like Exactly. And that might be true. And I think that that's probably something that that guy would have employed in his argument against you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, here in Philadelphia, we stand for the national anthem. He probably would have said something right. along those lines. Or if you talked long enough, he would have said something along those lines. But meanwhile, you mentioned, I went down to use the restroom. I didn't know that the national anthem was about to play, although that wouldn't have changed my decision to go down and use the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in there, and the national anthem is playing. It's just like a bunch of Phillies fans in there being, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so you're not allowed to sit out there for what? Because of the theater of it? You're not allowed right. to sit in the 400s, but I'm allowed to go down there and pee during the anthem. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. <laughs> and no one's mad at me. I'm a Mets fan in there, classlessly taking a bathroom break during the national anthem. Like, yeah. it's all just, it's not that deep, is what I well, kept I wanting mean, to say all weekend to everybody who said anything to us and or texted in the group chat who had designs on saying something to us. It's just right. not that deep. I mean, to be clear, you did leave out the part where all of the Phillies fans who were in the bathroom let go of their pants, letting them fall to the floor so that they could put their hand over their hearts um, while they were going to the bathroom. So they, you know, they were doing their best at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. They were. <laughs> they're just the national anthem just snuck up on them. They just really had to go. <laughs> pushing it out really 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 hard so that you can race back to your seat to get the the last verse oh man all right well a ridiculous start to what i hope is a slightly less ridiculous podcast we're going to talk about some of the stuff that has happened in baseball in the last week we're going to answer a couple listener questions and we are also going to invite mike schubert former guest of this podcast noted gigantic yankees fan uh to to play some wagers about the upcoming subway series that starts tonight. But before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Baisley. Classless Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. All right, Alex. Thank you to the new members of our Patreon this week. Bradley, Andrew, Bryce, Devin, and Jeremy. You can sign up for the Tipping Pitches Patreon at patreon.com slash tipping pitches maybe you can sign up and dm us and tell us why alex should have stood during the national anthem that's fine too (laughs) patreon dms are always open if that man is listening and he would like to support us financially he's welcome to um all right are you ready to get into the pod i am but i want you to know that i'm going to be fuming about something that that you did uh pre-recording throughout the whole podcast i just want you to know i wasn't going to bring it up and i'm still not going to um, but I'm I'm sitting with it. But text messages are being sent right now. Right, exactly. Yeah, everyone in my family knows about it. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> I feel like your mom might take my side. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> um, I want to start this week's podcast by talking about the Atlanta Braves and their ability to sign their young players to long-term extensions. Now, this has been a trend over the last few years. Of course, there was a lot of consternation when the Braves signed both Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies, Albies in particular, to extremely undermarket extensions for what they might have been able to get had they gone to arbitration, fought it out, 
year over year and then waited for their payday in free agency. Now, this trend with the Braves extends beyond just Acuna and Albies. They've also extended Matt Olson, whom they traded for in the offseason. They extended Austin Riley, who is one of the favorites for NL MVP. Uh, they have many of their pitchers under contract for the next few years as well. And so it seems to be an organizational strategy of Atlanta and their GM, Alex Anthopoulos, to offer these contracts, which are long and in total dollar amount, a, a large chunk of money to young players and try to ensure that they are going to be with the organization for a long period of time. Now, you know, this carries some team side risk in that these players might not pan out to be the kinds of players who you want to have under contract for a really long time. But at the same time, I wanted to talk to you about this trend, specifically with Atlanta, because last week they signed Michael Harris, the second, to an eight-year, $72 million extension. And so now that basically makes the majority of their roster under a long contract, which if all of these players play up to their potential, will be extremely under market. And now I wanted to get your, I guess, take on this whole trend with Atlanta, both from an organizational strategy perspective, but also I just wanted to talk through with you why this is happening. Not even as a Mets fan who knows that he's going to have to be seeing Austin Riley rip 110 mile an hour line drives for the next 10 years. And Matt Olson just, hit it above the chop house, which is still somehow called the the chop house, even though Atlanta has said that they don't want the fans to do the chop anymore. It's interesting how they won't change the name of the chop house. Um, I just don't understand it, Alex. I don't understand why all of these players are signing these contracts. And I don't even know necessarily that they're bad contracts for each individual player, but there's no other team doing this. So, Take me into the mind of Alex Anthopoulos. What's what's going on? I, the only logical explanation that is that he has dirt on every single one of these guys. Okay, I didn't want to be the one to say it first. <laughs> <laughs> but like, would you completely put it past a baseball front office? Not making a specific accusation against Alex Anthopoulos or Atlanta, because this podcast is parody. But would you put it past a theoretical baseball front office to have something like that? No, I I wouldn't, and I I I don't necessarily think that that's the actual case here, right? I, I think that I don't either. <laughs> I that I don't. I think that's due to institutional factors that some of which we may not even be able to, uh, you know, really understand or know about. But these sorts of deals certainly loom large. I think knowing kind of the state of the broader economic landscape in baseball, and you know us having a podcast that focuses heavily on labor issues in the sport, this feels like in our wheelhouse, you know? Um, and the yeah. the Michael Harris one is maybe not as egregious as some of the, some of the other deals that they've signed, right? Notoriously, the extension that Ozzy Albies signed it's like the worst contract is considered history. by by many people to be the worst contract of all time, right? Because it was like seven years, thirty five million or something like that, right? And for a player who would have beat that in arbitration, basically, right? With without a doubt, and Albies at the time said, "I'm not doing it for the money. I am doing it. Uh, I'm doing it because I want to provide for my family, right? I want I want my family to be like safe and secure, which 
absolutely makes sense, right? Especially if you're a kid who came into baseball like in your teenage years, received a relatively low bonus, right? Albies being an international uh, free agent as well as Acuna. Uh, and then having to play in the minor leagues for years, right? Whatever that bonus is, three or 400,000, that is only going to get you so far, right? And again, I, Michael Harris is not necessarily an Acuna type prospect, right? He's one of the Braves' top prospects and he has moved through the system super quickly. I think a faster than many people would have had, would have expected. And there's a little more risk for the Braves on this one, right? Because he's got half a season under his belt. He's not necessarily a sure thing. But all in all, like you were saying, this locks him up for an extremely long time. It buys out his his Arbiers. It you know it buys out his, the first couple years of free agency for him, and he you know now is not going to hit free agency until what he's like thirty one years old, which the baseball free agent market tends to not be too kind to players who are on that side of 30, right? Atlanta won the World Series last year. They're a very good team this year. They're better than they were last year. Significantly better than they were last year. And we know from having watched the way that front offices skill share amongst each other and the way that they copy each other's strategies, we know that that front offices play the copycat game with each other. And I would not be surprised if this became a trend league-wide should Atlanta lock down some sort of, not not even necessarily dynasty, God forbid, please, please, God, please forbid that from happening. But should Atlanta have sustained success with this model? And I got to say, I, I know that the term predatory feels strong when each individual case, there's reasoning behind why these guys are accepting it. But should this become a league-wide issue? And to some extent, it already is a league-wide issue, but should this become the dominant team-building strategy in the way that, like, tanking was the dominant team-building strategy? And in the way that, like, before owners realized they just didn't have to pay for free agents after 30, signing good players after 30 used to be the team, the dominant team-building strategy. Moneyball is, is undergirding a lot of this team-building strategy as well. But should this become a thing that every team is basically just requiring players to sign these extensions or go to free agency, that's like a light form of collusion, more or less. Like if every team says, sign an Atlanta-style extension to buy out your ARB years, then we no longer have an ARB system. We no longer have a CBA that is functioning as it was designed to function. And guess what? We just signed up for six more years of this same exact system. And so, I don't know, as the PA, you have to be looking at one of the best teams in baseball and how they're building their team and thinking, that's not really how we want teams to be built for the betterment of our membership. And, you know, I don't think that the PA should ever look at an individual player and say, you shouldn't have signed that. But I do think that the PA should be saying to players at large, in most outcomes, this is worse for you and better for the team. And I think that those are the types of things that we should be saying when we're looking at how the best teams in baseball are being built. And of course, like there's no moral way to build a baseball team, you know, but I think that there are slightly less moral ways to build a baseball team. As we've sometimes flirted and sometimes joked around with the teams that spend bigger money, 
it honestly is easier to root for them <laughs> than it is for the teams who leveraged the fucked up international market to get their best players under contract for significantly less than they're actually worth. Right. And that's kind of the the gist of what's happening with with some of these deals, not all of them, right? As we mentioned, Harris came through the draft. Uh, you know, same with Austin Riley. Obviously, Matt Olson came over in a trade, and then they turned around and and locked him up. Those guys got better deals. I mean, it it does strike me as the Braves kind of operating in a system that like allows for this sort of behavior from teams. Yeah. Right? They can yeah. leverage the fact that you've been paid peanuts for years. And in exchange for a little bit of security now and in the future, you obviously uh, may be leaving tens of millions of dollars on the table. Or and, in the case of Acuna, like, like a hundred million dollars on the table? Of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to know what's in the secret sauce, right? Yep. That, that allows Anthopolis to get away with doing this, right? Because to convince these guys to sign it. I mean, it's not like every single guy is doing this. Like so you just saw Soto not do this for the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. I mean, I think there's it probably I think it says something about maybe the internal culture there that you and I as as fans of the game aren't necessarily privy to where a player says you know what i i want to stay in atlanta right like it's a yeah it's a it's a good clubhouse it's a good organization i manager i it's a good manager i think it matters that like they're fielding a competitive team right that they're not doing the washington nationals model which is win your world series and then you know tell everyone to go fuck themselves they're they're looking for somewhat sustained success you would think right as as reflected in their moves and i think that like that says something to a player right i don't i don't necessarily know that if Artie moreno comes to shohei otani and says hey so we're looking to extend you right and that's not even gonna happen but hey we're looking to extend you what do you think i don't don't really know that you are holding all the cards at that point because Mm -hmm you seem unable to actually build a contending baseball team. Yeah, and do the legwork of building the contending baseball team. The legwork that Atlanta is doing, you know, like as well as basically any team in baseball right now. Right, exactly. You're right. Like, I I think that they are operating fairly, fairly within an unfair system, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's why it's worth talking about. Like, it's not that they are just using some devil magic to get all these to to get all these players to sign these contracts, it's not that weird that these players signed these contracts. Now, in in Albie's case, it's frustrating because he's basically a four to six war player for five million dollars, which is like the price of a mediocre reliever, you know. And it's yeah. like, okay, that seems like an extenuating circumstance, and it should be discussed as such. And it, of course, was on here on this podcast and other places. But what is interesting about it? is that it's not that weird to the rest of the league. Unless it is, in which case, if you're a GM on another team and you think that they're doing something out of bounds, please feel free to reach out tippingpitchespot at gmail.com. Yeah, or reach out to Jason Stark, who will just uh, throw your quotes, your quotes into a column, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that'll play too. Um. Okay, we're going to do some listener questions. Before we do, while we're on the subject of Atlanta, I wanted to say... 
you know, for everything that we're talking about, them building an internal culture, for everything that we're talking about, them wanting to have sustained success. And they, of course, have franchise history of sustained success with the teams that they built in the 90s that just dominated the NL East. And, you know, they spend not as much as they could or should, but more than most teams. I want to say all of that does not do anything to mitigate the fact that they are despicable in many ways as a franchise. (laughs) And, you know, one of those ways I already alluded to with Maddles and hitting home runs over the chop house. But another way, and this was news from this past weekend, is that Marcelo Zuna, um, who served a 40-game suspension last season for violating the MLB domestic violence policy, who they continued to keep on their team after that, was arrested Friday night for driving under the influence, for allegedly driving under the influence. I mean, he hasn't had his trial or anything like that. But a video surfaced of him telling the police officer that he was Marcelo Zuna from the Braves, you know, which would lead you to believe that he was trying to leverage his position as a star baseball player to to be above the law and to be able to drive under the influence. And I saw a lot of people, a lot of murmuring, suggesting that, you know, this was one strike too many for Ozuna, a player who's not having a very good season. And though that doesn't matter to me, that that does factor in to the calculations of Major League Baseball teams. He's been worth negative 1.1 more this year. And I saw people speculating that they were going to cut him loose. And he was in the lineup today. This is Sunday as we sit here and record this. And, you know, for everything that we can say about Atlanta building a sustained contender and investing in the team and, and wanting to have players be committed to being on this team, I mean, when you do something like this, it kind of unravels any praise I'm willing to heap on you. Because are you keeping him because you think he's the best option in left field? Are you keeping him because you feel some sort of sense of obligation to him as a player because you signed him to a contract or what are you trying to prove with this? Like, I just think that teams get away with so much because they think that people don't have the energy to criticize them for the things that they're getting away with. And I think that it showed that that can backfire sometimes when Atlanta booed him, the Atlanta fans booed their own player today, which far be it for me to heap kudos on to them. But like, like they they were booing him as he was coming up to the plate, right? I mean, they booed him after yeah. he struck out, right? And the boos rained down even more. But it did feel indicative of a fan base who was just kind of sick of this shit. And you know, it shouldn't have to get to that point where the fans are put in the position of trying to force the organization to have any form of any form of moral compass. But also, at the same time, at least the fans were willing to try to force the organization to have a moral compass. Yeah. I I mean, it's certainly, again, we were just talking about building a culture that players and fans can believe in. And this certainly <laughs> does not speak well to that notion. But I also wonder if, I, and I think there are probably many players who abhor the things that he's done and resent the continued opportunities uh, that he's been given, right? And there also might be some guys who who read that and say, well, you may or may not like what he did, but the team is standing behind him, right? You know, it's like they're dealing with it internally. They, you know, they're not just casting him away. Like they, you know, they they care about the, the players in this organization, you know, to the point where they will overlook any transgressions, right? And I'm, you know, this is just kind of speculation. But I think that 
a lot of players do kind of value feeling like management has faith in you, you know, yeah. I, where, where it might be the right thing to do to kick his ass off the team. There are probably a number of guys who think, well, you know, if I was in that position, I'd want a second chance. Right. And so fucked up as it obviously is it's not insanely surprising to me i mean it's surprising to me because it's surprising to me because it doesn't even make sense from like a baseball standpoint like this isn't even a star you're throwing your weight behind this is a guy who has a pretty terrible uh, track record off the field and really is giving no justification to remain on the field given mm-hmm. his performance but i don't know man i what a middle finger to any Braves fans whose lives may have been impacted by drinking and driving, right? To any woman in the stands who may have experienced domestic abuse or, or not even, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to have been affected by it to give a shit about this sort of thing. But I don't know. It just, it reflects so poorly on where your values actually lie. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It just, uh, it feels like organizational malpractice for an organization that has no shortage of problematic <laughs> tendencies with like their their actual impact like outside of just what the product that they put on the field is because it's not about that it's not about right. just the product that you put on the field like you are a billion dollar organization that is taking a lot of public funds from the greater Atlanta area you're owned by a publicly traded company like you have moral responsibility to like think about what you do as a baseball team and how it affects the people who have a vested interest in you. And I, I don't think that they're taking that very seriously, honestly. By putting no. him in the lineup two days later, like I've seen in the last decade, we've seen players get benched for longer than that for not running to first. Yeah. So what does that say about your code of ethics? It's not great, Bob. Tell you that much. It's not great, Al. <laughs> um, okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have a hardcore Yankees fan in front of the podcast, Mike Schubert. And snakes and stones never broke my bones. So. Okay, Mike Schubert is back. Mike Schubert, Ooh. the host of many a podcast. Mike Schubert, the host of Horse. Mike Schubert, the host of the newest Olympian. And Mike Schubert, resident Yankees fan, guest of the pod. Hello, sir. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Non, thank you for waiting until the Yankees are garbage at baseball to have me back. <laughs> I've been waiting all well, year listen. to get the TP invite because I was like, let me ride in on the highest horse possible. And now I come to you. I would say on on whatever the opposite of the high horse is, the low donkey. I don't know, but we just <laughs> we we just won a rousing victory today because we retired Paul O'Neill's number, whose number did not deserve to be retired. But we retired his number. I think we should retire a number every single day for the rest of the season so that we go undefeated. Well, like okay, so the joke <laughs> is that the Yankees are not going to have any numbers to give to new players pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just working backwards from ninety nine, which is why Aaron Judge is trying to make the nineties cool. Uh-huh. But uh, I think if you actually retired a number every time the Yankees needed a win really badly, based on how they've been playing for the last couple months, you would run out of numbers before the end of the season. I think like you're just here to, to 
we're just here to innovate. I think we're going to be the first team to potentially do triple digits. We could do fractions. Decimals. We could do, yeah, Ooh, like, fractions. Uh, I like that. Non-normal numbers. Like, I, I've, as the engineer, this is embarrassing. But what's it like when it's I or when it's E? Like, uh, yeah. ir- irrational numbers. We could get irrational numbers up in the mix. Square <laughs> roots. Like, I think we're just innovating. Emojis. Right. Like, uh, wing Emojis. It'll like, get for, fun. For, formulas, maybe. Uh, make the Make the fans have to figure it out. Yes, right? Educational? Love it. Uh, so you alluded to the fact that the Yankees are no longer riding in on a high horse. What's going on? How are you feeling? Of course, the listeners of Tipping Pitches, we don't talk that often about on-field events here, mm-hmm. which you know is, uh, as the host of Horse, which is a basketball podcast that doesn't really talk that often about the games. Uh, <laughs> it's our it's our MO here. But as a Yankees fan, how are you feeling? With your You were... I think in your fullest form early in the season with how well they were playing, you were mm-hmm. at your fullest, your most Yankees bro. And now things have not gone as well since the all-star break. Right. What's funny is that the current arc of the season is actually the worst possible thing that could have happened for the Yankees. <laughs> Cause we had a very bad off season and everyone was very mad at Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman as we all well deserve to be. And then We were the greatest team to ever play the game of baseball in the history of baseball for like most of the season. And we were all like, well, I guess we were wrong and they were right. And then trade deadline happens. Never admit defeat. (laughs) Never admit defeat. (laughs) They do. So then the trade deadline happens. And then we make like some minor moves. We don't make the big swing for Juan Soto, which is sad. We don't make the the big swing for Luis Castillo, which is sad. We make the kind of big swing for Montes and... We do the Benatendi trade. We do these like half measure things that we always do at the deadline that sometimes pan out. And then the trade deadline passes and now we start to be bad. And now we're like, oh, the whole thing that we were worried about is now happening and it is too late. And now we can't be mad. I think the thing was we were always just like a good team, but we were thin and all of the injuries started to happen right before the All-Star break. And when you lose Michael King, one of your best relievers, for the rest of the season. And then Stan gets hurt and Rizzo was hurt and Clay Holmes had some issues and Chapman had issues. Like we just had a normally in the past couple of years, everybody gets injured all the time and then nobody was injured. So we were really good. And now everybody got injured again. And so we're bad. It's just like not great when half your lineup is just a dud. Um, and I think honestly trading beloved clubhouse figure, Jordan Montgomery for a guy who's supposed to be really nice. Harrison Bader, I just feel like that wrecked the vibes and it's just a, a, a recipe for disaster. But also like, I think we're just kind of taking our foot off the gas a little bit in the month of August. I think yeah. we're just kind of taking August off and it, that's okay. Like <laughs> I'm currently in wake me up when September begins mode. Okay. Where if <laughs> okay. We, if Billy this, Joe like, Armstrong, <laughs> step your game up. If we extend this gross period into September, then I'll be worried. But I feel like it's kind of the rest of the AL East is really bad. So we're kind of chilling. And I think if there was ever a time to be bad, at least it's the month before the month before the playoffs. I hope over the course of September, we like get that momentum up. But yeah, it was uh, not not good timing for wanting to get Brian Cashman fired. This is like the worst (laughs) case scenario of keeping him employed more, which he really shouldn't be at this point. He's not very good at his job anymore. And uh that recipe for disaster there. Because if we if we start off the season awful, he would have been fired. And that would have been amazing. 
But now this is the absolute worst is to be bad immediately after the trade deadline. I guess we can kind of blame the trade deadline on him, though, which would be really cool. But yeah, it's not great. I love the fan speak of like, let's just be bad for this month. And then we'll get good for next month. Like as if those two things have anything in common necessarily. But I'm the same exact way. I'm like, Mets, why are you wasting all your hits? And why are you wasting all your wins now? Save them for October. But that doesn't. I do. I do like think about that sometimes. Like if a team, if my team scores a dozen runs, I'm like, they're not going to score eight the next day. (laughs) Like I save some, keep some in the chamber. Side note. I have just never considered a world in which Brian Cashman is not at the helm of the Yankees. And I am so interested to see what that yeah. next chapter actually looks like. Like, you know, I'm, I, I, I am not holding out hope for the Steinbrenners to, uh, to check out anytime soon. Cause I, the Yankees are a literal bank. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I just, Cashman and the Yankees are, feel like very synonymous to me when it comes to like their front office, right. And their, and their moves. And I just like, I, I see this man's face in my dreams. Like he's been their GM, like the entire time that we've been on planet earth, which is just so unnatural for baseball. And I feel like the only thing that can actually happen is that it has to be like Brad Stevens and the Celtics, where you kind of just like promote him into a different job. That sounds better. Like what we really should do is we should fire Randy Levine, who is a terrible human being. Yeah. Like get him out as president of baseball ops, make Brian Cashman president of baseball ops, and then get a new GM. Cause like, see, but wait, I think that Randy Levine is just their president, like their oh, financial president. I, I don't see, think that he has I, anything oh, to do with oh. baseball though. Well, that's, oh, I that's, mean, maybe he does, but the, well, that's like inner office politics. And I have no idea. If we got rid of that guy, I'd be so happy. You know, like the whole thing with him and the number four and why the Yankees did that for a whole season every time they got a hit, right? No. So the Yankees had a thing two seasons ago, three seasons ago, where after they would get a hit, they would hold hold up the number four to the dugout as like a celebration thing. Yeah. And everyone wondered, what's the four? There were all these theories, like there was a spring training game where some team put four in the outfield and the judge hit a home run anyway. So it was supposed to be like like lol. Or that was the first season, I think, when they did the, you can just hold up four fingers for an intentional Intentional walk. So people were saying, oh, it was saying you should have walked me. But then Clint Frazier... went on a podcast and revealed that what it was dangerous territory clint frazier being on the podcast (laughs) sorry he doesn't go by clinton anymore i've i've forgotten he goes by his middle name so the artist formerly known as clint frazier who talks smack about the yankees and then got released by the cubs two hours later (laughs) which was the best i was on my way to the yankees cubs game ready to boo him and then he got dfa'd oh so great but he on a podcast said that it was them making fun of Randy Levine because Randy Levine used to walk into the spring training facility and just hold up the number four to a cook at the breakfast place. And that was him ordering four eggs. And rather than, you know, order like a human being, he would hold up the number four to someone and force them to make him four eggs. And everyone made fun of him. And Damn. that was why they did that. Alex, are the Yankees players cool for doing yeah, that? Yeah, that's kind of base if we're, if we're being <laughs> honest. <laughs> so yeah, get rid of Randy Levine. Put Cashman in charge there and let's get a real GM. Because like Cashman, I don't know. I feel like some offseason moves are really good. The DJ LeMahieu signing, everyone thought it was stupid. And then he turned out to be very, very good for the team. He was, he's never been good at trades. Trades have never been his strong suit ever. His, mm-hmm. his 
unless it's like one of the trades where you trade for someone you've never heard of and then they're good out of nowhere, which we did with like Urshela and Luke Voigt and all these people where teams are like, ah, screw this guy. But anytime he tries to make the high profile trade, he never trades for the big guy. He always goes for the step below. And then the big guy always turns out to be great and the step below is horrible. And that's exactly what's happening with Montes. I was, I thought Montes would be fun to have and it has not been very fun. He's got two games where he's thrown six earned runs and they're both in pinstripes. Yeah. I, I just feel like he's, He's sort of a Yankees institution, but at the same, like giving up on Cashman without him just like wanting to retire is sort of like giving in on the Yankee way, not being the only way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because the new era of the Steinbrenners, they just like they don't want to be like George. Like they don't want to be bombastic. They don't want to necessarily make the biggest splash all of the time. They just want to kind of like be steady. Like Alex said, they just want to kind of like print money and be a bank. They always well, want to be good enough that they're never out of the wild card race. Like as long their hope is I like anytime like when the Braves won, I was so sad. I was so sad. I was rooting for the Dodgers so hard. Ever since the Dodgers have been spending all the money, I've been a huge Dodgers fan once the Yankees get eliminated because I'm like, let's have the Dodgers win so that how we can point to how and say, look, and I've always been rooting against the Rays. So when the teams that are lower seeded do well, I get so upset because then the Yankees, it that's just all they want to do. Yeah. yeah, all they want to do is like put a, together a good enough team and then be like, ah, if things would have broken right, we would have been fine. And I hate that a lot. It it does feel like there's been a sort of uh, a philosophical shift, obviously, in how the Yankees have approached, right? Where, you know, uh, two decades ago, they were just throwing money at players left and right. And it, I, f- I feel like the criticism of, like, that being the Yankee way probably got to Cashman a little bit. And, you know, this is his way of saying, I don't just have to buy my players, right? Like we can we can put together a real team because we're a I'm a real GM and and we're a we're a real franchise, but you have to actually be good at doing that for that yeah. to work out, <laughs> which that's the rub. <laughs> right. And what's funny is I I'm glad and I appreciate that tipping pitches exists because it can like weirdly help me justify my Yankee fandom better, or at least like from before where it's funny that growing up it was always like oh the Yankees spend so much money they're the worst and like weirdly now like the teams that spend a lot of money on the players is like kind of based yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's every so six weird months how that's like, like a oh. conversation we we flirt with that's like are the Yankees good for this <laughs> like <laughs> well there's like a little bit of a boomerang effect going on and this is an interesting way to to fold in the reason that you're on this podcast to talk about the subway series to talk about the Mets and you and I are going to play some wagers against each other um but like now across town having an owner who is doing what the Yankees did in the early 2000s and now making it seem like a cool and fun thing to do not that it was never a cool thing and cool and fun thing to do i think if alex and i were doing a podcast in the early 2000s had we not been in elementary school we would have thought that it was cool that the Yankees were like good player i'll have him on my team <laughs> <laughs> but now that there's more examples of teams starting to do that and to you know separate themselves from the pack a little bit um I think more fan bases are seeing the benefits of that and that, fine, you don't want Mookie Betts on my team? You don't want Mookie Betts on your team? I'll take Mookie Betts on my team. You don't want Francisco Lindor for his market value? We'll trade for him and we'll pay him to stay in New York and build a franchise um, iconoclast image for the next 10, 12 years. And I'm, I'm interested to see that. This is obviously like a huge, huge conversation of like the sports radio types. In a meta way, I'm almost interested to see like how that breaks different layers of people's brains, just having the Mets across town, like outspending the Yankees and outspending the other teams in baseball. 
I was hoping when it started to happen that it would be the thing that lit the fire under our butts and returned us to true Yankee spend money on everybody form. I guess the true test will be whatever happens with the judge situation, which I love to try to not think about at any moment (laughs) in time. But also weirdly, like, would Judge be having such good of a year if he wasn't trying to fight for more money? Like, weirdly, is this working? But that's going to be the true thing. If we don't shell out the money, because as much as we want to hate on Hal and all them, which I think is justified, like when it comes to like the people who are truly worth it, or at least at the time you think they are before you learn that they've only been good because they use spider tech, like (laughs) (laughs) you, you do see them like bust out the money for the people where it really counts. Like they did for Cole. And that was nice. And I like in, in their defense, like everybody wanted to get Patrick Corbin, like not ideal. So if we don't put the money up for judge, I think that's like the, that's it's just gone. Like it's just completely gone. But like if this off season, we don't hand him a blank check. What are we doing? Especially because we didn't trade for Soto. Like now it's just, you have zero excuse. Absolutely zero excuse. Aaron judges the, reason that we are so good and he is the most beloved and he's every kid's favorite yankee he's he's the closest thing to a jeter type you're gonna get and that we've had since he left so like how do you not this is the most no-brainer decision ever if you don't just give him whatever he wants in a sport where there's no rule against paying money (laughs) just do it oh my gosh like steve cohen not forcing Brian Cashman and the Steinbrenners to like overpay for a bunch of players is just proof that trickle down economics doesn't work in any <laughs> context. Like not even amongst baseball billionaires, like the trickle down <laughs> effect just doesn't happen. It's just a myth. Yeah, there really is no excuse for mm-hmm. not doing that. Like it's not even a question of money or anything like that or 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 a question of like statistical analysis. Like he's far and away the best player on the team and one of the best in baseball. You don't you don't let that guy walk if no. you're the, if you're the Yankees especially right and the the thing is if you want to pull the whole oh he's a little older you know he's thirty he's gonna not age well it's not a long contract or whatever like dude Aaron Hicks still has like three years left on his deal come on man <laughs> you can't pull that card you gave him a seven year deal what are you doing like well it feels like the only way that they could get away with doing it is if they had done what kind of what Atlanta did which is if you're gonna let Freddie Freeman walk you're gonna have to trade for Matt Olson and extend him and you're exactly. gonna have to like if you're gonna let Aaron Judge walk then you should have traded for Juan Soto and you didn't beat the Padres for Juan right. Soto that was the silver lining that I was telling myself at night was okay we didn't trade for Juan Soto because we're giving Aaron or whatever he wants. That's what I'm like telling myself so that I can go to bed at night. <laughs> that's that's that would have been more than a silver lining if you had traded for Juan Soto. I think that probably would have yeah. you well, would have come out in the black on oh, that. Well, I'm I, I would have loved to have traded for him, but I'm oh, just but you're saying, saying that now because you didn't get Soto. Okay, that's right. The okay. reason mm-hmm. they didn't do it is because they they are 100 committed to giving Aaron Judge whatever he wants this offseason. I see. I see. I, I hope you. that is true. Will it? feel any better once Shohei Otani is on the Yankees a year and a half from now? I mean, that would be pretty How cool. dare you? The problem... The <laughs> How prob- dare you? What's funny with, with Shohei, it's like, I have this very interesting history with him where it's like, the Yankees are really close to getting him, but he wanted to be on a West Coast team. I guess, I know there were like reports he wanted to be on a West Coast team so he could be closer to home. Sure. Okay, fine. Do whatever you want. Whatever. But then I remember it was like, 
it's so funny looking back, but like I was big on the Miguel and Duhar should have won rookie of the year, not Shohei Otani. Like <laughs> it was one of the things where like Otani, sure, it was like cool and unique and different, but he was like injured half the year and like right. it was more of I thought the novelty pick. And then like looking back, like, ah oh, man, and Duhar, we should have traded him after his rookie year. <laughs> it was his peak, his peak. But, that is such a great example of Yankees brain. Where you're yeah. just like, you're still mad three years later that Miguel Andujar didn't win Rookie of the Year. I still am. Like, I'm not trying to act like he's good now, but like, I'm still mad about that. I'm also forever if upset. If you go Even- back in time to what it was like in 2019. The, the other thing, the 2017 judge not winning MVP over El Tuve before the cheating. Before I know. the cheating. Mm-hmm. They know. gave yeah. El Tuve the MVP because he's short. And they didn't give it to Judge because he's tall. Like, that's it. That's literally it. He's short. They didn't give it to him. It's, or they, he's short. They gave it to him. He's tall. We can't give it to him. We have to give it to the tiny guy because we feel better about it. I, I will never drop it ever. It has nothing to do with the cheating. Even before they did the cheating, I was like, this is, I was arguing with all my friends in Houston. Like, look at his numbers. The only thing that he was better at was strikeouts. But if you look at OPS, like. <laughs> You're doing like the March Madness, like two team blind taste test. Like, which team should make it in on the bubble? And like, without the names there, you know? Yeah, I'm talking about like strikeouts are fine because it is a grounded double plays. Yeah, I'm doing it. Uh, <laughs> Alex, did you actually send this Zoom link to Mike Francesa without telling me? <laughs> <laughs> but to get back to the point of Shohei, I the the only thing that would make me feel okay, there's there's two things. If he comes on the Yankees, amazing. That would be great. If he stays on the Angels and he continues to tungsten arm O'Doyle, I, I do. Anytime a tungsten arm thing happens, I'm so happy. It, yeah. It's so funny because I've always been, and Bobby, you know this, I'm a huge Mike Trout hater. Mike Trout, three yeah. career games in the playoffs. You know. Literally every time I bring up anything with Mike Trout, Shoes is like, can he do it in the playoffs though? <laughs> and I know in baseball that doesn't make sense, but I don't care. It's my basketball brain. But... <laughs> I just like that the Angels continue to get better and they keep adding people and then they're still the Angels. And even mm-hmm. this year, people are like, oh, Trout is hurt. I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, and it hurts me because Anthony Rendon went to Rice and that's a big bragging point for my small little, but somehow still D1 school, Rice University, my alma Baseball mater. powerhouse, mm-hmm. Rice University. Except we haven't won since we're, I don't think we've won since 2003. It's a nice North Star, I would say, is the Angels being absolutely mid- no matter <laughs> no matter what they do you know like i it's kind of it's kind of relatable actually but in the no most what, like you know tire fire way though like they're never mid in a boring way <laughs> they're know. mid in a really dysfunctional way mm-hmm. um mike are you ready to make some bets this is yes. what you're here for i alluded to this in the intro for our listeners but uh mike is here to place some wagers uh, based on whether or not the Mets or Yankees win this two-game series. If they split, I think that Mike and I are going to put our heads together and make Alex do something very funny, but we mm-hmm. haven't decided on that yet. Um, I have a, a nomination for what I would like Mike to have to do if the Mets win these next two games. And Alex is basically going to be the commissioner of these bets. <laughs> Mike, I've asked you to to put together you know, one or two things that I will have to do. And then I guess we can talk it through and decide uh, on what we think is funniest for for content because that's that's what we're here to, to put out right. to the world. <laughs> you told me to put together one or two. I put together five. And okay. I don't, I'm not saying that all five have to be done. I just think they're all good in different ways. And okay, whatever great. like you want to do or you think is funnier, I am uh, I'm happy to defer because I think they're all fun. But it's all like different versions because, you know, everybody's got their different thing. If you lose your yeah. fantasy sports thing, you know, you got to take the SAT or you got to <laughs> I will not be taking the SAT. No, that's not in there. <laughs> that's it's not 
nothing dramatic. There's some that I've gone a little like outside of the uh, of the standard bet box, and I'm pretty proud of them. Okay, Alex, any other things to add before Mike shares his five? Because we're gonna allow him to go first because we're gentlemen here. Oh, thank you. Naturally, uh, no, I just I I invite the listeners at home to play along. Um, if you if you are a, a a Yankees fan or a Mets fan or even not, if you if you just want to cosplay for for this two game series. <laughs> Uh, I, we're not going to use all these ideas, uh, obviously. So, um, so call up your angry old uncle and get him to uh, shit post on Twitter about the Yankees. The tipping know. pitches challenge is to own yourself for no reason <laughs> for content. <laughs> uh, okay, Shubes, what what are the things that I? What are the nominations for the things that okay. I'll have to be doing? Should the Mets drop too straight to the New York Yankees in the Bronx? First one, nice and simple. All the music breaks for a week on tipping pitches are New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Plain and simple. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like okay, it. That was pretty good. Yeah. Number number two, on the complete opposite end, you're not allowed to take the seven train for a week. Because <laughs> the seven train is a Mets subway line. <laughs> Okay, I like. It. I don't have any reason to take the seven train unless I'm going to a yeah, Mets game. So, so I could just basically not go to a Mets was, game for that a was, week. Yeah. That was the one I was least confident because if the seven is convenient for you, like for me, that would actually make my life hard because uh, the seven does run pretty close to my house. But I just figure, like <laughs> for whatever reason, every time I get every time I get on the seven, I'm like, oh, this is a Mets subway. <laughs> you can tell that people are like, ah, this guy likes the Yankees. Okay, two good <laughs> offerings so far. Uh, Alex, are you noting which one you would like me to have to do more? I, I am. I'm creating the power ranking power ranking in my head. I'm taking notes, uh, throwing it all into a spreadsheet. So, okay. So, yeah, Mike, but let's next? keep them coming. All right. So third one, you, Bobby, as I record this on August 21st, you're about to have a two-episode run on the New Olympian, my Mr. Jackson podcast. I was going to say that I will edit the descriptions to say that you are longtime <laughs> Yankee lover, Bobby Wagner, comes on the podcast. <laughs> That is very funny. And also for the real newest Olympian heads who have been listening since season one and will remember that I had a two-episode run in season one, they will know that I'm not actually a Yankees fan, so they will know even more that I'm being owned by you in the description. So I feel like that kind of cuts even deeper. That's really good. Yeah. That's funny. It's certainly less public because like, does anyone read podcast descriptions? It's always my big question <laughs> as a podcaster. Every time I, I type one, I'm like, does anyone read this? It's always like, some people will be like, podcast descriptions are the only thing that matter. And then the mm-hmm. other people are like, I don't care about podcast descriptions right. at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I write most of them and I'm like, no one ever reads it. Like, well, I'm sure I'm putting in all the links and stuff and like, you know, I, your Twitter handle when you come on. Um, but no one reads. And then like one day someone, a, a friend of ours DM'd us and was like, hey, just a heads up. There's a typo in your description. And I'm like, <laughs> And that completely wow. broke you? You were like, Amazing. so everyone is copy editing all of our podcast descriptions. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, it was it, like, it was not even that she had just glanced at it. You know, it was, she was doing a close reading of it. It was like, oh, yeah. interesting Oxford comma use in, uh, in the third <laughs> sentence. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's three. We got two mm-hmm. more. Yeah, number four, along the lines of podcast metadata, you have to change the official title of Tipping Pitches to Tipping Pitches colon a Yankees podcast. <laughs> okay, now we're raising the stakes. <laughs> yeah, that one felt very high stakes. <laughs> that one was certainly the highest of stakes. <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't even do. I just thought it was a funny idea. Um, final one, you have to finally make a unionize the minors Yankee TP. Okay, mm. so I thought that this might come up 
I currently have a a DM bet out there with Jason Buford, who is a large Yankees okay. fan and a big okay. on Yankees Twitter. A, a bet that he placed in the DMs of tipping pitches, saying that if the Yankees win the World Series, then we have to make a Yankees unionized the minors okay. Okay. Uh, design. Yankees inspired. Okay. Inspired. Yankees inspired. Inspired, inspired by inspired. the Yankees. Yeah, the yeah. color is blue and white. Inspired. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that one has to be off the table, though mm-hmm. I recognize the clamor for the Yankees inspired. Unionize the minors. <laughs> cool. Great. Right. Yeah. I mean, famously, we are a Yankees podcast, so the representation is um, uh, is needed. Can I suggest a a slight softening of number four? So instead of changing our entire podcast title uh-huh. <laughs> on all platforms... We like add a comma in the title of our Twitter for a week. Tipping Ooh. pitches, comma a Yankees podcast. Sure, yeah that 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 would be suitable. Okay. So, so those are the four. Alex, you have your your power rankings. I I do have I have the power rankings. Um, uh, it's it's a little tough because some of these also affect me. Like I don't have a dog in this fight. <laughs> hey, now wait! I thought you were a Mets fan with me. Come on, you do have a dog I in am, this fight. You I were do. like. You were uh, potentially getting into fights with Phillies fans this weekend about your right Mets on behalf of a team for your that Mets I, I don't root for. Yeah, so um, I I'm liking number four honestly okay. the um, be, because the because the it's it's very clearly um, uh, not true necessarily mm-hmm. though it would not be clear. Uh, if you were just coming to our this this podcast, you would have. I mean, they may, you may be thrown a little bit that we have a picture of an A's uh, player as our as our logo, and we're, we're going to call Ricky Henderson Yankees legend and A's player. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that really cut deep. That really cut Alex to his core right there. That one, that one kind of hurt, but it's it's fun. <laughs> so wait, okay. Um, before I share before I share what my suggestion for what Mike will have to do, mm-hmm. I did mention that. We would put our heads together if there's a split and make Alex mm-hmm. do something. So is that something? Oh, that change we the make logo Alex... where he's wearing pinstripes instead of the A's uniform in the logo. <laughs> change the logo. I was gonna say just like change his Twitter picture to like a picture of Ricky Henderson in a Yankees uniform or something. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> that. That feels pretty good. I enjoy that. <laughs> God, why do you do this to me? <laughs> It's for the content. It's okay. Bro. It's I, for I went to I went to St. Louis because one of my best buds. He's a huge Cardinals fan, and finally the Yankees and the Cardinals played. Sorry against to each you other. for no one having to <laughs> call a huge Cardinals fan your friend. <laughs> the whole weekend I was there, I was just giving him crap about Matt Carpenter being amazing and being like, "Oh yeah, this oh this guy used to play for the Cardinals. Interesting. I didn't know that. It's so wow, weird to see this new guy you know, coming every, up through the Yankees system. Yeah, yeah, every time they give him a standing ovation, I'm like, "Wow, I didn't know all these guys really like the Yankees so much. Like, that's straight. Oh, he did play for the Cardinals. <laughs> was that like his rookie year or something? Oh, so fun. I never. I just did it for three straight days. <laughs> <laughs> I, I as a Cardinals fan, I think he deserved it. Just yeah, saying. frankly, yeah. and he especially coming. My buddy Johnny has done this multiple times when the Yankees trade for a guy in the Cardinals or if the Cardinals call up a guy if Johnny says they're bad they become the greatest person ever so when we traded for <laughs> Luke Voigt he was like Luke Voigt sucks and then Luke Voigt was very good for like two years for us and then when they called up Lars Newtbar, I was like that guy has the greatest name ever he's going to be amazing at baseball and he's like nah he kind of sucks and then Lars is great now <laughs> and then when we when we signed Carpenter, he was like, Carpenter's washed. And I immediately wrote like, oh, so he's going to be really good? That's a pretty good curse to be able to inflict. 
Yeah, it's sad, though, because we traded Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader, and Johnny texted me and said, you're going to love Harrison Bader. And I was like, oh, God, God damn it. God <laughs> it's damn the, it. It's He's the Bob be Nightingale effect. <laughs> sell, sell Harrison Bader in your fantasy leagues, everybody. <laughs> yeah, trust if, me. If you were stashing him through his walking boot injury, I don't know. Um, okay, Mike, are you ready to hear what I would like you to do should the Mets take two straight from the New York Yankees? Yes, I'm ready. I would like you to tweet this phrase. As oh, it no. is constructed. Oh, no. I, don't, I hate this already. <laughs> two sentences, actually. Not just a phrase. Two sentences. Okay. Quote, if not for injuries tragically cutting his career short, it would be undeniable that David Wright had a better career than Derek Jeter. No matter what Yankees fans say, Wright is the true captain of New York baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I... I hope you have other options because that one really hurts. <laughs> as like as much as I love analytics, I do also love to be a shut up about analytics guy for Derek Jeter. Right. Like I love to go hard for you. Like oh, he didn't deserve gold gloves. Like he dove into the seats and broke his face. He deserves every gold glove. I don't care what you say. <laughs> so I didn't come tough. up with other options, but I'm I'm willing to be <laughs> okay. I'm willing to be bartered down. Like you, you know, yeah. you can soften the language a little bit if need be. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy to like spitball some stuff. I think like. If you want to get personal with me, Robinson Cano was my favorite Yankee until okay. until the whole thing. So if, if there was some sort of like Mets Cano kind of deal thing, but I, I know he didn't have like a great run with the Mets. Like I'm trying to think that's, of other any sort of like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, rare Brody Van Wagen and miss. Honestly, yeah, it's true. I trying to man, it's tough. Cause that, I mean, that is very funny. Like, I don't even hate David Wright, though. It's, it's, it's the yeah. Jeter slander more than the David Wright praise <laughs> <laughs> that does it for me. Um, yeah, but no, I, I like, is there a way we could do like people who were on both teams? Like, was it like Daryl Strawberry was on both teams, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. David Cohn, was he on the Mets too? Yeah, he started like, with the Mets. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a big Cohn dude. So, like, we could do something there, but if you, if you, if you want it to be a pro David Wright, I feel like I'd be okay to do something pro David Wright, but not with uh, okay. to <laughs> okay, throw okay. the slander in really hurts. <laughs> okay, I like it. I like it. So, so we're bartering here. How about if I take out the part where it says that he has a better career, undeniably that he had a better career than Jeter? How okay. about if I soften it to be something more like David Wright has a fair claim to the title of the captain as well as Derek Jeter? <laughs> <laughs> the pain on his face <laughs> i would i would do that only because like i think making Derek jeter the captain is cool i think making his nickname the captain and naming the documentary series the captain is not cool because we've had other captains so yes. i i'm okay with this because okay i like i feel like he could have had a cooler nickname but also Derek jeter is one of those like he doesn't have a nickname he's like Derek jeter mm-hmm. he's really he's one of those Jeets. guys well yeah like yeah you either do yeah Jeets or like yeah, he's one of the guys you call by his full name like he's yeah. Derek Jeter. Like yeah. you call it a full name. Like if you've reached, say, your full name status, you don't need a nickname because you're just Derek Jeter. You can't just yeah, call him right. Jeter. It's weird. You can't just call him Derek. Yeah. That's weird. He's Derek Jeter, full stop. Well, also, has anyone in the history of uh, histories referred to him like as the cat, like in passing in conversation, said, uh, you know, the captain's having a great <laughs> night tonight? No, out they, short. You know, they like never, probably no. yes, honestly. I just. <laughs> I, 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 I've only like when they were doing the, the, the farewell stuff, did they really start to cap yeah. it when they yeah, were doing yeah. that and the like re two pecked for respect. That was tough. That was, that was really tough. It was tough. Not his finest marketing hour. The, the only thing that saved it was his kid tipping his cat. The, that was the, pretty good. The mm-hmm. little guy tipping Iconic his cat. Iconic gif. Iconic gif. 
That um, saved the entire retupect campaign. Okay, so we have a, me- a a memorandum of agreement on some language mm-hmm, indicating mm-hmm. that David Wright has a fair claim to the title yeah. of the captain as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll iron that. it out. We're not. We'll iron out the details along with Alex, our our bet commissioner, after the podcast recording is over. Uh, once it looks like we'll know who wins this bet. Um, this is this is like when they 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 settle on everything that's in the CBA exactly. and they're going to hammer out the details over the course of the sure, season. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Uh yeah. but we need to decide we need to decide uh definitively what what my punishment will be. I guess our punishment if it's going to be typical pitches related, Alex. Uh I'm I I'm vibing with uh the the Twitter change because it's because it's public. I like something that is I mean I really like the the podcast description one as as well, but again like we were saying, I it's kind of a coin flip whether people are even scrolling through that, especially if yes. like it's a podcast uh, with like a dedicated uh, following. Like you're just going to press play no matter what, right? Yeah. You're not scrolling through and looking for the one that that interests you. Um, so th- that's the one that I'm that I'm leaning towards. I, it's how also do you, how do you feel about that, Bobby? I agree because it's also the one where our listeners are going to see it the most. So it'd uh-huh. be like we have to wear the dunce cap in front of our own friends. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. what's also good is then my punishment is Twitter related, yours is Twitter related. And it is like, if anything, a joke of people who are like in on the tipping pitches cinematic universe. Yes. I do very often reply to you on Twitter anytime anything is said about the Yankees. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> love you guys. My this favorite Yankees, Yankees pod. Yeah, so like exactly. at least there is for folks in the know that like really, you know, know me as like, oh, right. It's the guy, <laughs> you know, right. you get that in the mix too. It's a uh, narrative. I mean, this is literally the, the name of our group chat. Right, like yes. I, we're just extending yeah. the joke uh, to its uh, logical conclusion. Okay, we have our ruling. The ruling is that you will tweet something about David Wright being a worthy captain. Cool. And I will change our Twitter name to Tipping Pitches, comma a Yankees podcast. Uh, can, if we split, can I? Can we get it out there that it's not fair that you have uh, Scherzer and Degrom pitching? <laughs> like, is there a way to like adjust like like a golf you know gross net score right, thing? Give like, you, that give is you a not handicap. <laughs> I mean, you, listen, if all you Domingo had to do to get Scherzer Armand, was pay. All you had oh to no, do was God. pay. If Domingo Armand is pitching, I'm out. <laughs> I'm like, I, think he, I think he is. He's, uh, he's, he's scheduled for, for game one. <laughs> oh, let's go. Let's God, go. God um, goodness. Off to a great start for Mets fans everywhere. Mike Schubert, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's always a pleasure to wager embarrassing things for content with you. Would you like to let people know where they can hear you talk more about sports and or other things? Yes. Before I do, can I really quickly tell everyone what I texted you guys when I was on the 7 train and the Mets-Philly series in New York was happening <laughs> and the guy yelled at the Phillies fan because it was the funniest interaction I've ever heard in the summer yes, this year? Dude, this is like your yeah. sign-off. Oh, okay. So I was on the 7, bunch of Mets and Phillies guys, and I was just coming home from... I think just hanging out with friends. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> it's it's the game train. And there were two Mets fans giving a Philly fan crap. He was this guy wearing these like Mitchell and Ness Philly shorts that were like not Phillies colored. They were like gold shorts with some red trims. So they looked like 49ers shorts. And these Mets fans were sitting and the Phillies guy was standing and the Mets fans are like, Yo, what the hell is up with these shorts, my guy? They don't fucking look like Philly shorts. What they, why are they 49ers colors? And the guy's like, oh, it's like Mitchell and Ness shorts. And he's he like very different. He was like, oh, they're Mitchell and Ness. And this, this guy goes, who the fuck are they? You're talking about these like they're your fucking friends. Who's Mitchell and Ness? And then he like has to explain all that. Then he's got those weird like Balenciaga socks shoe things on him or whatever. Oh yeah. So after that conversation finishes, they wait a little bit, and then the Mets guy like gets his attention again and goes, "How much are these fucking things cost?" <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and then the guy was like being like coy about it. But then like somehow the Mets guys were then like, oh, wh- what do they cost? Like fucking $200. And then the guy's like, try eight times that. And they're like, oh, hey, yo. <laughs> Making fun of him for having $1,600 shoes. And I did Google. Yeah. That's how much those shoes cost. Wild. Truly yeah. wild. Also, a choice to wear them to the um, Mets-Phillies game. Yeah. Like, you have, I wear very, like, I care about my clothes because I don't like to buy clothes again. <laughs> like, I like to buy clothes and then treat them well so that I have them forever. Note, what yeah. delayed this uh, recording was I was doing laundry and I had to line dry my stuff before I could <laughs> hop on the pod here. <laughs> but when I go to a stadium, you wear the junky shoes. Like, how can yes. you wear that expensive shoes just like out in public, but also to a stadium where people actively mm-hmm. take peanuts and throw them on the floor? Like, what yes. are you doing? And also like seven out of 10 games that I go to, a beer is spilled, whether it's by right. me or by somebody else. Like, yeah, that's right. just, that's kind of stuff is just out of your control. Why are you Every time you walk dollars? into the bathroom, the floor is wet. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what from Mm -hmm. i don't really want to know (laughs) Mm -mm. but it's probably not what you want on your 1600 shoes yeah truly (laughs) absurd anyway that aside you can find me (laughs) doing lots of podcasts wherever you get you can find me on the seven train (laughs) making fun of philadelphia (laughs) phillies fans you can find me on the seven train begrudgingly rooting for the mets uh because i would yeah i I took their side of this argument now if you want to hear my podcasts as mentioned i do a podcast with my buddy adam awala called horse similar vibe where we talk about basketball but not the on-court stuff it's all of the drama talk about the nba talk about the WNBA, talk about twitter beefs all that kind of fun stuff and then the other pod we mentioned was the newest olympian where bobby has been a guest uh and alex if you've read the percy jackson books you can come through i don't know if you're a pjo guy yeah you know i was i was as a kid but i'll probably need to brush up on my uh on that's the what text. i do i just read the entire book before appearing on <laughs> the newest olympian <laughs> i don't really... force my guests to do that but bobby overachieves but yeah yeah turns you... out it's really easy to read ya when you're 26 <laughs> like the language is much more accessible they're not even YA; they're technically middle grade so they're even easier but yeah if you brush up come on through but yeah that's a percy jackson podcast i never read the books as a kid so it's me going through them for the first time as an adult and it's very fun we are about halfway through the third book and it's very good. It's getting very spicy. So that's called The Newest Olympian. You can search for those wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you just want to see all the stuff I'm doing, I have a website. It's just shubes, S-C-H-U-B dot E-S. And that's got all my stuff. Technically, a Spain website. I had to give them my driver's license in order to <laughs> apply for it since it's dot E-S. <laughs> uh, please, actually, I, we might need to, uh, to dialogue off, layer, off air because um, for the longest time, we wanted to get Tipping our, pitch our dot own. E-S? Right, exactly. And I looked into it, and it seemed like there were a lot of uh, hoops to jump through. Tippingpitches.com, I think, is a few thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. is the going uh, rate for it right now. Um, so we wanted to find a way to, to get yeah. on that. So if you yeah, hooked me up with your, with your domain contacts in Spain. Right. I it's pretty. It was pretty easy. I think I just used GoDaddy. So <laughs> definitely before you post wow. this episode, though, try to buy it. No free ads. Says. <laughs> <laughs> Just use GoDaddy. It's like a Danica Patrick Super Bowl commercial up in here. <laughs> I think that means it's time to end this segment. Yeah, yeah. Mike, yeah. thank you so much. This is great. Really thank appreciate you for having it. me. Let you know, girl, you're looking good. You're out of sight. All right, just move yourself and glide like a seven seven. And okay, thank you to Mike. I feel like I came out ahead in that in that bets segment. Like, I'm okay changing the tipping pitches Twitter to tipping pitches, comma, 
yeah. a Yankees podcast because it's kind of like a bit that we've been doing anyway. Like we have A-Rod, you know, we had Randy on a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We've talked to Lindsay Adler multiple times. Mike's been on several times. We have a, a robust Yankees fan community flourishing in our Slack, which you can get access to patreon.com slash tipping pitches. Sign up for any tier, you get access to the Slack. You can join any number of team Slack channels where all the sickos of that team commiserate with each other. So, you know, I just want David Wright to get his respect. His two-pecked, five-pecked, which actually looks better than the actually, way that, that yeah, Derek that one, like, works. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, th- I think you did too. You're not necessarily personally implicating yourself right. in, this, in this manner. Right? I wouldn't have had to tweet out the photo that does exist of me wearing a Yankees hat in college <laughs> because I forgot a hat and needed a hat and I was abroad and didn't think it would ever turn into such a piece of blackmail. <laughs> Damn, that's tough. I'm going to text Mike right after this and, and let him know the terms of the bet have changed. Don't, no, no, no. That's not honest commissionership. <laughs> Rob Manfred would never do that. Look, I'm doing it for the the interests of the game. You know, I'm just giving the people what they want to see. That's all. Oh, right. Like you're banning the shift, basically. Right, exactly. Just trying to bring action back into the tipping pitch subway series bets. Um, well, this is the last subway series of the year, but if this works out well and it's fun, then maybe we'll do it next year. Tipping pitches listeners, please give us ideas for how we can punish ourselves for content. Um, let's do a couple listener questions and then get out of here. Cause I know that this has been an action packed episode. All right. We got a couple good ones this week. We get a couple really good, good ones, ones. Every, every week. Um, really good ones. But, but I, I really liked these. We had to, had to get these in here despite the length of this podcast. Uh, this first one comes from alexander and he wants to know what's the correct number of walk-up songs and how often should a player change theirs this is a question that we were actually talking about at the game on saturday night um because a a friend of mine who was there in attendance with us was saying you know i feel like not enough players utilize artists from the cities that they are now playing for to try to you know curry interest with the fan base who might also feel some kind of emotional connection to the athlete and the artist for representing their city. And I was saying, yeah, but then, you know, your walk-up song is so personal. Like it has to get you excited too. And you want to perform because this song is on. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know, how would I approach it strategically from what I would choose? And I've always said that my answer would be the Anthem by Good Charlotte. And... (laughs) There'd be like 37 people in the stands who would be like really excited that I'm coming up to bat. And the rest of the people mm-hmm. would just be like, all right, generic rock chord. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I also expressed that I would love to have one song that became iconic because I walked up to it. You know, if I was like a really good major league player or, you yeah. know, like Marion Rivera walking out to enter Sandman, you know, everything with Edwin Diaz and Narco this year, like it would be cool to be consistent for your whole career. Simple man. So fresh and so clean. Curtis Granderson, that was his walk-up song for his entire time with the Mets. But then I just thought about it and I'm like, I'm just not decisive enough. Yeah. And so I think the answer really depends on your personality. But I think for most people, the answer is just like switch it a lot. Just mm-hmm. like whatever song you feel like hearing, right. that's the well, song that I, you should use. And I also, I'm fine with having multiple per game also. Yeah. I I also like think back to what I was listening to like 15 years ago, and I'm like, is that same stuff going to get me hyped today? 
Like I in my case, yes. Yeah, well, like yes, this, yeah. That's fifteen years ago. I was listening to Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, and earlier today in the car, I was listening to Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. So <laughs> right. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> I definitely would have like a handful in the rotation, you know. And I think it kind of depends on how you use the walk up song. Like, do you want the walk up song to be something that like really gets your blood pumping? Um, that like it's a song you really love and so you can like walk up to the plate or whatever, like bop in your head. Mm -hmm. Or do you want something that's like, that gets the stadium hyped up, right? Because that's what you're interested. Like I imagine there are a lot of baseball players who probably kind of tune out their walk-up song, right? You're not, you're not like- (laughs) That's sad. It probably is. And I could be very wrong. Any major league baseball players who are listening to this, like- You know, we don't get to talk to a lot of hitters. We talked to a lot of pitchers, but not a lot of hitters. Yeah, big pitcher bias uh, here on Tipping Pitches, which is ironic given the name. Um, (laughs) I mean, I think ideally your song would do both. Like it would get you hyped up and it would get the crowd engaged. Yeah, Um, It'd be be enough of an earworm and it'd be enough of a crowd pleaser that it would do both, but also at the same time it would get you hype. I noticed Alec Bohm walks up to to Famous by Kanye West, which I think probably do, accomplishes both things for him because the crowd gets really into it because it's like the bum bum beat up part, you know, and mm-hmm. like everybody can kind of sing along. But then Alec Bohm seems like the kind of guy who's like, Kanye West changed my life, you know? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's a it's a narrow line to walk. Yeah. I think for me, I would have like an old reliable that I would go to most frequently, mm-hmm. probably the anthem. And then I would have like, uh, you know, an off-speed, more or less, like a like one that I throw in there every once in a while, just to mix it up for the crowd's sake. Right, and then I would definitely need to choose a song. I I don't want to commit to one yet because I haven't been called up to the show yet. Yeah, but I would definitely need a song that would be my slump breaker. Or oh, yeah, that's what I just what I was thinking. Yeah, something that I know that if I hear it, it's going to put me in the right headspace to get out of a a rut. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine you definitely need the scenario specific ones, you know, like or uh, like a big moment walk up song, you know, that may not be the same song that gets you hyped as you know, your fifth plate appearance of the day in a 7 to 1 ball game, you know, oh, like, like the vibes, the vibes are, exactly, the vibes are a little bit different. So I'd want something that like kind of meets the the moment where we're at. I the the interesting thing is like these choices obviously aren't being telegraphed to like the PA team in real time. So you need to like have a little bit of foresight on when and how you're going to choose these songs. Like I, you can switch it up mid game, but I imagine you are telling them, okay, first at bat, uh, you're doing this second at bat, you know, yeah, that stick to the plan, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't be able to, to choose one. Like it'd be a different one every week. I feel like they should have some sort of technology where you can just press play from your phone like as you're walking out. <laughs> I think that's called Bluetooth. <laughs> no, Bluetooth would not work, especially in a crowd of 45,000 people. You think yeah. your Bluetooth is going to be the one that it hears? No, all of a sudden you're going to be hearing the Joe Rogan experience. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, the thing about that is some team would find a way to use that technology to cheat. So, I, yeah. you know, double-edged sword. You know, it occurs to me that one of us, should we ever make the, the major leagues? Right. Whoever makes it first. It's really anyone's anyone's game at this point. 
one of us should probably choose green onions, no? <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> it does, it gets, it gets me hype in kind of its own way, you know? It, yeah. It's not like it gets my, like, head banging or my blood pumping, but it does feel like, like I just associate it so much with, with baseball. Like the essence of baseball. Right. If there's a baseball game happening in heaven, Green Onions is playing underneath <laughs> it. You know, like Absolutely. it's it's scoring the baseball game. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. I think that's plenty of an answer for Alexander, <laughs> though we didn't really commit either way. But Alexander, I hope that that was uh submission. Yeah. What's next? Um, this next question comes from Nick. He wants to know what moment in baseball history would you have liked to have StatCast data available for? Great question. Amazing question. First thing that came to my mind was the Willie Mays catch. Yep. Over First his shoulder. came to my mind too. I want to know the, the route. But then also, I thought I about know, it. I know, I know. I thought about it and I was like, kind of don't. I don't I need don't, StatCast telling me that his route bit. efficiency could have been 10% better. Like, right. StatCast being like, that was a three-star catch actually. I like, <laughs> need someone to like look first just and so tell that me if it's good. <laughs> tell me if it's good. <laughs> would you do that for me? Yes, I would. I would take that bullet. Okay, thank you. Um, the second thing that came to mind was the Andy Chavez catch in left field in mm-hmm. game seven of the NLCS, the 2006 NLCS. Um, I want to know the catch probability of mm-hmm. that, of that play because. I know what the probability was in my head. It's like one to a billion that he's yep. going to rob the home run that will keep them in game seven of the NLCS with the chance to go to the World Series yeah. with that on the line in that way. That's that's pretty fucking amazing. So that's probably my answer. Yeah, that's a really good one. Interesting that they were both defensive plays that, yeah. that you chose, which I feel like I don't what do usually... I want to know the, the RPM of a Pedro changeup? Like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Got my no, eyes I know, for but that. I, but I, I feel like... I see Statcast employed most often with like you know exit velo, home, yeah, exit velo and uh, projected home run distance. And, well, as you know, I'm a Mets whatnot. fan, and we don't care about exit velo. We only think and dunk <laughs> that's, hits, that's soft true. contact. It's all about luck. Yeah, take the ball the other way. Statcast doesn't uh, tell you about luck. Yeah, um, I I love both those choices. As I said, I, the the catch was on my list as well. Um, I have a couple uh, a couple other ones. I um, I want to know the the sprint speed. On uh, on Eno Slaughter's uh, uh, mad dash to home yeah. in the in the 1946 World Series where he okay. scores from first. Let's go. So so curious. I want to see. I want to see the little like you know animated recreation that they do of like yeah. every play of the guy <laughs> running around the bases. The he ESPN I mean, just dropped like 58 million for that. Like yeah, <laughs> they spent enough money on that that if. We just like got that money as sponsorship money for the podcast. We would never have to work again. <laughs> just think about it. Just let that marinate. That's true. But it's a bit of an undermarket deal for us. So I don't know if I'd be able to take it. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're holding out. That's why we don't have a presenting sponsor yet. <laughs> Anybody um, listening? I, I like just want a presenting sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, keep going. <laughs> Someone's out there. They're hearing. I, I was also thinking of the flip, right? Jeremy Giambi. Uh, and being called out at home, I there isn't really a a metric, yeah, that I'm interested in for this. And as I as I was thinking about it more, I realized that I just wanted instant replay. Yeah, instead, I just wanted a different way to see the play. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. but I do think looking at the numbers of the probability that that 
Giambi scores, you know, or that Jeter makes that throw. Yeah. Because it's it, it shouldn't have happened, right? That was just ridiculous play all around. So stupid. It was it was crazy stupid. Just one of those plays where you're just like, this is actually the dumbest sport I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's literally. <laughs> I don't think uh, Yankees fans feel that way, though. The, the last thing I want to know, and I don't think you can use StatCast in this way, but Babe Ruth famously once called his shot. Mm-hmm. I want to know what he was pointing to. Give me the, what was the angle of his arm? Was he calling a shot? Was he was he pointing at the foul pole? Mm-hmm. Was he pointing at the flag? That yeah. seems it seems like a definite possibility. So okay, I have an answer. Okay, another answer for you. Uh-huh. Not the Babe Ruth thing. I have no idea what he's pointing. He's probably pointing at. The sky. I, I really some no some broad he As saw I in said, the crowd. Like, <laughs> some hussy. <laughs> um so this is maybe not even statcast anymore because I don't think statcast does this, but this is more like you remember uh sports science with John Brickman? <laughs> yeah. Where they would be like, Tim Tebow ran this defender over. He applied twenty two point one pounds per square inch or something. Like <laughs> that's enough force to <laughs> Knock down a shrub in your front yard. <laughs> uh, I need that, but for <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I need that, but for I think his name was John Brinkus. I'm sorry to the Brinkus family for getting your name wrong. Um, I need that for the Carlton Fisk home run. Mm. Like, how much of a gust of wind would we have needed in the ballpark <laughs> that night for that to never happen? Yeah, that's a. That's a really good question, actually. That would because be I like, think you can. It'd be like me as a physics textbook writer. <laughs> Carlton Fisk winds up and knocks one to left field. I mean, it's a really interesting way to learn about physics. I know a lot of my physics textbooks were like that. It'd yeah. be like Romeo is standing below Juliet's window. He tosses an apple at a launch angle of thirty-one <laughs> degrees. <laughs> How hard does he need to throw it to get it up there and fall in love with Juliet? <laughs> That's a real question. That I had in my physics textbook. That's that's pretty remarkable. I think they need to update their sources a little bit, though. <laughs> I know. Didn't they hear that Shakespeare is canceled for being problematic? <laughs> um, I think these are all great answers. There's no, uh, obviously, way of quantifying any of this stuff. And I think that for some of these answers, we don't even really know what what we what we want. Um, but I think the the point that you made at the beginning is a sound one about not really wanting to know on some plays. Like, I think the mystique is kind of cool, especially when you talk about these massive moments in the history of the game. If they were then broken down into all of their parts and dissected, I think that would make them a little more boring. You know, like if we were just seeing the stat cast replay of the catch, I don't I don't need that. I don't need the catch sponsored by Google. <laughs> well, that's a whole different it's a whole different thing. Um yeah. Imagine Vin Scully has to tell you the launch angle of the Kirk Gibson home run. Jesus Christ. Now this is extremely cursed. We have to stop. I know, I know. Uh okay. Thank you, Nick. It's still a really good question and, and a very fun conversation. Uh listeners, please share your answer with us. Uh, tipping pitches pot at gmail.com, tipping underscore pitches on Twitter, drop them in the Slack in the episode discussion channel if you're interested in that. 
you can call our voicemail 785-422-5881. It's been a while since we've done some voicemails. If we get a few calls, maybe we'll throw them into next week's episode. You never know. Before we get out of here, let me give a quick shout out to the five members of our Alex Rodriguez VIP Club tier this week. There's so many of you that we just have to read five of you every week. Otherwise, it would take a very long time. And for that, we are very, 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 very thankful. Those five members this week are Colleen, Jack, Jessica, Peter, and Micah. Alex, do you have anything else to share with the people? Would you like to Would you like to do a little mea culpa with the guy from Philadelphia, just in case he's listening? Would you like to get anything off your chest? I just wish we could have talked it out, man. Yeah. I really do. I feel like we could have come to a consensus, you know? I was like... I was like coming up with like his rebuttals in my head and then trying to figure out how I would respond to those rebuttals. And I was very nice throughout the whole conversation. <laughs> he was too, though. So, you know, <laughs> it's just like doing therapy exercises at the Mets game. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> um, sir, if you're listening, please call the voicemail 785-422-5881 and share what you would have said and we will uh, respond in due time. Other than that, I don't think there's anything else for us to add. (laughs) Thanks everybody for listening and we will be back next week. Everybody, uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya.